0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Crimson Peak. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but it probably helps if you have, because there are plot spoilers. Enjoy. You're flashing a lot, not as in your, a lot. not as in your your private parts. Just the um, <laughs> <laughs> the the screen is flashing.
0: Oh, have
1: you got it strapped to your chin?
0: I currently have it staring at the ceiling. Um, yeah.
1: yeah, it's it's not the end of the world.
0: Just pretend you're in a disco. I think.
1: Yeah. So I was thinking, mate, I'm about to to drop an E and go wild.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm so off my tits on fun pills that I am now going to start literally flashing you. <laughs> that's my disco.
1: That's what happens when you take pills, or so I've heard.
0: <laughs> Just start flashing people.
1: Yeah, any pills as well, like you know, Nurofen.
0: Yeah, get a, get a bit of ibuprofen in you, and yep. uh, you know, the, the balls come out, as it were.
1: <laughs> the balls. I speaking of which, I saw on Twitter a little video of a guy running, like crossing the finish line of a marathon, with his dick and balls just completely hanging out.
0: <laughs> why, why, why were his dick and balls hanging out?
1: I think the to to use an. Alan Partridge terminology: the the lining of his shorts had perished.
0: Oh, I see. So it wasn't like a deliberate move. He wasn't making some kind of political protest.
1: I don't think so. Uh, I'll try, I didn't. I didn't retweet it because obviously I didn't want to be accused of spreading smut or being a, a smut peddler. But yeah, there's a. He crosses the line. He looks kind of happy. He doesn't look like he's fully aware of it. But there's a guy who high fives him. Maybe he's not aware of it. But um, yeah, he looks—he looks just completely in the running zone. He's not—it's not a sort of American Pie high school jock joke. It looks like he genuinely doesn't know.
0: See, I like to think that he—he he, he was just being like free Tibet, <laughs> and that—that that was his form of protest.
1: He calls his penis Tibet. <laughs> uh. Um Good a similar point. thing happened to Lenny Kravitz last year while he was playing a show. Are you aware of this?
0: No. no I think there we, there is
1: footage. He was rocking out and yeah, his dick and balls just fell out.
0: They they did not want to go the same way as him.
1: <laughs> they were not gonna go his way. <laughs> yeah, like a rip, ripped hole in his jeans, they just they just popped out.
0: Oh no. Does nobody wear like boxer shorts?
1: Apparently not. No, it's very mm. un, very uncool to wear boxer shorts. Lenny Kravitz, of course, is also the wearer of the biggest scarf in the history of scarves.
0: Mm, yeah, he likes a big scarf, doesn't he?
1: Yeah. Don't we all? I
0: yeah, almost bought fair. a
1: scarf today. It's not cold oh, enough really? yet but I, I saw a scarf on eBay of, of um, the ice hockey team, the Winnipeg Jets, who I've adopted as my ice hockey team in an attempt to to try and finally understand and follow ice hockey now that the baseball season is over. Well, for my team it is anyway.
0: Yeah, ice hockey is great. I, I watch a little bit of ice hockey now and then. Um, and it's it does generally seem to be like a sport framed around sports. People inflicting violence on one another yeah um, like all good sports
1: it's like you read like the rules what? and you're like there, there's, there's, there's going to be a penalty at some point in the game, it's like guaranteed that someone will get a penalty for doing something violent to another member of the team and the whole structure of the game is based around the power play which is when you've got more people on the rink than the other team because one of them has got a penalty for being a knob but it's like why why don't you just not be violent (laughs) (laughs)
0: because because then it takes the fun out of it like it 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 has that really nice middle ground like because i don't enjoy watching boxing or anything like that Mm. um i find that too close to just watching people fight each other but then like a lot of sports are a bit too static so this is that really wonderful place in the middle ground where you get to see really angry people inflict violence on one another without having to watch you've been framed
1: yeah it's sort of a halfway house between, you know, the angriness of a British high street outside of Weatherspoons at one forty five AM and
0: Disney <laughs> on ice. Yeah, I was gonna say it's Battle Royale meets like synchronized skating.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's great. I'm I'm enjoying it. And the NHL app is as good as the MLB app, which is the one that I've it, it like it's just I can't it's as weird jumping in with an app recommendation, but it has everything you want from a sports app. It gives you all the scores in the rosters and stuff, and it's a really good user experience. It always has nice little clips and stuff. And the NHL app has the same experience now as well, so it's great. So I'm getting daily updates on the Winnipeg Jets, who are rubbish. I think it's, I always like to pick a rubbish team and root for them. So I think I'll buy that scarf.
0: Yeah, go for it. Um, I I have my the, my first autumnal purchase... I have a very nice new denim jacket, which is nice and fleece-lined, and uh, it makes me look like the member of a gang from a 1980s movie. Like (laughs) I'd be, I'd be one of the guys who gets killed by Terminator at the beginning of that film, or like Charles Bronson comes after me in one of the Death Wish movies, that kind of thing.
1: You talk a mean game, but when it comes down to it, as soon as he gets the knife out, it goes in you, and you're down.
0: Yeah, as, as soon as a man with a mustache like goes like, you're gonna be dead, punk. That, that's when I'm. That's when I'm gone. Yeah,
1: he doesn't like you.
0: <laughs> no, he does not.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's autumn is settling in. Although I only spoke to you two days ago, but obviously there'll be a slight delay on this for the podcast because we're doing two in one week. Because next week, or when the day that this goes out, I will be at the the Frankfurt Book Fair work selling books
0: indeed you will yeah talking
1: about books instead of talking about films i'll see if i could try and find some scary books while i'm there
0: oh yeah defo and some romantic books
1: yeah some scary romantic books there's a lot of um paranormal paranormal romance that's still popular
0: oh yeah yeah still a thing there needs to be like what's gonna be the next big thing in paranormal romance? So obviously you've had vampires, you've had zombies.
1: Is there much ghost action?
0: Hmm. Yeah, there must be. There must be at least in the self published. I think too many people love ghost to 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 have th- that have not have happened.
1: Yeah. Do people want to have sex with ghosts? I guess it depends on how solid the ghost is.
0: Yeah, if it's a semi, semi-solid ghost, <laughs> is that...
1: That's my favourite band from the 90s.
0: <laughs> semi-solid crew.
1: <laughs> How long until the haunting stops? 21 seconds. <laughs> Speaking of ghost action... Um, this week's this week's film, Crimson Peak. There's some ghost action in that, but in my opinion, not enough. I wanted more ghost action. So let's jump let's jump in on that. I, I felt like yeah. there could have been a bit bit more ghost action on top of the romance.
0: Yeah. So so Crimson Peak, um, very much a a gothic horror movie. Yeah. Um, there is some spooky ghostness going on, but. The ghosts are are friendly ghosts, aren't they? They're um they're Casper, Caspers. <laughs> yeah. Ad- 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 admittedly, a little bit creepier looking than Casper.
1: Yeah. Um, the The ghost that is supposedly her mother is pretty terrifying, although slightly below par CGI ghost, I would say. it has got a sort of really smooth face, smooth grey face.
0: Yeah. Some some of the ghosts in this movie look. <laughs> incredible, um, particularly some of the later ones in it. But yeah, that first mother ghost, when you see her face, it's a bit like, oh yes, it's a terrifying CGI monster.
1: Yeah. And she looks a lot like the um, the Death Eaters in Harry Potter with the cloaks and the skull faces.
0: Oh yes. Yeah. old oh, Death yeah. Eaters. But the ghost um, appears
1: at the very beginning in, or the beginning of the film and it says to her, beware of Crimson Peak. Rawr. And it's like later on, obviously... It turns out that Crimson Peak is the place where um, her husband, who marries her, and then who marries her for... You think it's for the money, but he does love her, but then the sister's been trying to get the money and wants to kill her. It's quite a complex plot, and that that thing works quite well, but it turns out that that place is Crimson Peak, but it's never explained how the mother ghost knew um, about Crimson Peak, which led me to wonder, is there like a mum's net for ghosts in the afterlife?
0: (laughs) Ghostnet, that yeah yeah it's, it's it's not truly explained in terms of how how the ghosts know how to help her but i think it's kind of there's all these hints about ghosts living on a different spectrum to to hum, humans that are kind of sort of like it's briefly mentioned a few times throughout the movie with regards to um with regards to like the paranormal ideas of it so edith the main character is very fascinated by ghosts and then uh dr al played by charlie hunnam um he 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 talks about his own fascination with it and i think he mentions about like there's certain spectrums where you can see paranormal entities and stuff like that so it may well be that they all are in in the world of crimson peak i'm not talking about in real life here i don't believe in ghosts um before anyone says that Oh, Rob's, not, Rob's a nutter and believes in ghosts. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think that's kind of what they were getting at is that, like, there's stuff outside of what we can see and what we understand that certain people can pick up on, such as Edith, who has this yeah. intangible link with the afterlife.
1: And then at the so at the beginning of the film, she has a tiny voiceover that says, "Ghosts are real. This much I know. My mother appeared to me and told me this." And then at the end, she it's, it uses that to frame it as well, and it says, "Ghosts are real," and they attach themselves to places and people and emotions and stuff. And it that bit kind of well jumping straight in with the kind of end of film criticism here, but that that bit felt like it was really labouring the point for me and didn't need to be said. But it did help to kind of explain why the paranormal elements were there, because actually you could have completely removed all the paranormal elements from it and still had a very, very decent, like sort of gothic drama, romantic period drama film. Would you agree?
0: Yeah. I mean, the way that I think of Crimson Peak is that it's Rebecca, but with literal ghosts instead of metaphorical ones. Um, And so because it's got that kind of framework, um, it doesn't actually needs the ghosts in here it doesn't need the paranormal side um but i think it it gives it that extra like oomph um to really sort of like make it creepy um particularly because like on the first time that you watch it you're not really sure what the ghosts themselves are all about yeah and so it really makes it an incredibly tense watch because you're not sure if these ghosts are actually coming after her to try and kill her and what their purpose is and things like that and it's really really well done and so i watched this in the cinema and it was very much an edge of your seat movie whenever there were paranormal moments even though a lot of them like being a being a gothic horror um it is very traditional in the way that it frames the scares but it's done in such a great way that it's very much sort of like wow okay yeah this is scary
1: yeah it was genuinely quite scary the atmospheric music and the scares and all that kind of things were done well. And I think as well, because they were relatively few and far between, it wasn't trying to scare you every turn that when a ghost did suddenly appear, you're like, Oh shit, I'd not enjoy, I don't like this. Go away ghost. I don't want you crawling along the floor, howling at me like a tortured child. That's not nice.
0: Yeah. Get, get out, get out. You creepy ghost, man. Get out, ghost. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I think, yeah, what, what, and I think it works really well because like, this is a, it's a real Guillermo del Toro film in terms of like costume design, set design, monster design. um, It's got that real sort of like gothic sensibility that's just absolutely perfect. And Guillermo del Toro <laughs> is great at those kind of framing devices. um, And on top of that, um, this film is beautifully shot particularly when it comes to light, when it comes to lighting, it is absolutely gorgeous from start to finish. Um, Mm. And, and Guillermo del Toro, he said that he wanted it to be like a Mario Bava movie, who I don't know if you know Mario Bava at all.
1: No. Is he a a Mario brother?
0: He, he is one of the Mario brothers. Um, (laughs) he, he forgave the, he, 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 uh, he, he went away from the life of like plumbing and shit like that. And instead was like, you know what, I'm going to make some awesome, uh, or some horror movies. He's and, the arty, uh,
1: the arty cousin.
0: He's the arty cousin. Yeah. Luigi didn't like him cause he made scary films and Luigi got scared. Yeah. Um, but, it, but he was he, the one who haunted was...
1: Luigi's mansion.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. So he was responsible for films like blood and black lace and planet of the vampires and black Sabbath, um, and things like that. And they're these films that just had incredible lighting. Um, and ap- they looked absolutely beautiful um, in that kind of timeless horror quality um, and Guillermo del Toro he, he explicitly said that he wanted it to be like that so where you get those in this film you get those great sort of like orange and like turquoises and blues and reds and things like that and it, it's just popping with colour it's just a, a phenomenal film to just sit and watch because of it uh, yeah. and I think that's probably one of the film's main strengths. It's a film I really love um, Crimson Peak and a, a lot of it is to do with the way it's shot um, and so yeah it, it's it's beautiful beautiful film.
1: It's very nice to look at and it really nails the stylization of the period that it's set in as well because I think in a film where there are more fantastical and more horror type elements it, it'd be easy to slack off and not nail say the costume design or those kind of things or the machines or the, 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 the time, the way that Tom Sharp is trying to be an entrepreneurial guy and his business and those kind of things. And all of that stuff is done really, really well and really, really works. So yeah, it's very, it's nice to look at from start to finish, even if some of the ghosts are a little little bit kind of CGI plastic looking.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and like, it's, yeah. and And I think the CGI side of it looks a little bit ropey because a lot of it is... Um, is practical, and a lot of it is looks so real that it then makes the bits that aren't real stand out a little bit more. So you're a bit like, oh, what's yeah. going on here?
1: I think it's it's because the ghosts are like red and bloodied as well. And having seen on the fly last week the quite good practical effects of the the bloodied ape monster thing when it got cut up in the teleporter, I think that was actually still on my mind actually. And I thought, oh, I don't want to see a, like a bloodied ghost
0: yeah yeah for sure um yeah after like the super creepy practical effects of the fly um yeah but guillermo de toro he's normally very good i think i think a lot of what the ghosts um the ghosts are actually played by somebody right but then they were sort of made translucent afterwards so that's why their movements look very real even if the um even if the actual sort of like look of them is a bit fake right see Um, i wouldn't have
1: guessed looking at that that a person actually did that
0: yeah so it's this actor called javier botet who um he's he's awesome um he always plays creepy creepy people in everything
1: he's creepy Um, ghost guy
0: he is he's the creepy ghost he plays all the creepy ghost ladies um he is you know wreck the spanish horror flick yeah have we watched wreck together N-
1: no it's it's one that you've always been trying to get on the list but i think it's always been suppl- supplanted in favor of say you know miami connection or something like that
0: <laughs> um wreck it wreck is one of my favorite films um i thought you were gonna say most... wreck it ralph wreck it ralph is also one of my favorite films yeah, that's Anything a great thing that yeah, I love Wreck-It Ralph. Um, but yeah, Wreck has like the scariest final 20 minutes I think I've ever seen in a film. Um, and it still makes me a bit creeped out thinking about it, having watched it about 20 times. And part of it is to do with with the performance of Javier Botet, who's just there at the end of this film. Um, he's also in The Revenant. He's in The Conjuring 2. Um, basically, if you need somebody to play a creepy thing in a movie then he's the person you you go to for help with it because he's great in these roles um but yeah because I'm glad because that that goes...
1: role exists for someone I'm yeah. glad that that's like a thing a guy has been able to build a career off of
0: yeah being being a creep in horror movies is is it's an important part of horror movie acting yeah um, and he's yeah he's one of the best
1: um, although they should give that job to Tommy Wiseau <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, he do- He deserves a spell in a horror movie, does old Tommy? He'll get there. Yes, we can only hope. We can only hope. Yeah.
1: So, of um, Guillermo del Tormo, I think I've only seen Pan's Labyrinth and The Orphanage, which I mentioned last time. Um, but I think I maybe didn't enjoy Crimson Peak as much as them, but it's not really a fair comparison because he had different roles on all of them. But I think you could still. Have you could still tell that his hand had touched them all and they were all good and very enjoyable? But I think I connected more with Pan's Labyrinth and the Orphanage because of the idea of nostalgia um, and that there was doing something different with that and with like the themes of childhood, which are probably fresher to me than something that is essentially a gothic period drama of which you know read quite a lot of books and studied quite a lot of books along those lines, even though it was doing something new with it, still yeah. for most of the film, it just kind of felt like a standard gothic. Thing, but done well and executed well like for the first 45 minutes it's essentially just a sort of downton style period drama and then suddenly dad gets killed they go back to the house there's creepy ghosts in the house what's going on with the sister like the gothic elements are introduced slowly and it's that side of it has done very well
0: yeah i think you're, you're totally right about it um i like this more i think he was was he the producer of the orphanage executive producer think, yeah, yeah but nothing executive else Executive producer yeah um and i like this more than the orphanage i think i like it as much as pan's labyrinth um i find it's a prettier movie um and yeah i, ap- I appreciate that a lot um but uh but yeah it's um you're right about how I mean, this was very. This bigged up in advance of its release very much for its horror elements, but you're very right about how there's nothing really horror about it for a very long time. It's almost like this kind of um, titillating period romance more than anything else. Um, yeah. Where you've got this handsome roguish baronet uh, who's come over to, to America seeking money and falling in love and that kind of stuff and you've got this this uh, young woman who is not interested in romance who ends up falling for him and he's falling for her um and uh and yeah and then all of and and then sort of there's these undertones of there's something not quite right here so tom hiddleston plays thomas sharp and he's you know this charming brit who's, you know, he's out for investment from the States so he can continue his family's legacy. Um, but there's something off about him. And Edith Cushin, played by uh, Mia Vazikowska, um, who I really like as an actress. I think she's great. Yeah. Um, her character was and... very believable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, like, she's got... There's quite a lot of depth behind her character in this movie as well, which I really like. Um, and... uh and yeah, but her father, played by the always wonderful Jim Beaver, who I who I absolutely love, I, I Great wish name. He was in every single film. He he's, is he he's Canadian? Wonderful. Um, I think he's American. Uh, um, how he can ha- you?
1: If if your name's Jim Beaver, you should just get Canadian citizenship automatically.
0: <laughs> he should be a citizen of the world, Jim Beaver. I want him over here. Um, you I, mean a I citizen of in... nowhere? yeah thanks Theresa may
1: (laughs) oh man did you well the we're we're talking about that we're talking today the day after her like conference speech disaster but by the time this goes out it'll be old news she'll probably have like literally slipped on an actual banana skin in the street or something between now and then but yeah did you see have you seen her disaster speech from yesterday
0: i have yeah it was wonderful well kind of wonderful (laughs) It was, yeah. it was it was great to watch from a purely fascination point of view
1: yeah although there were all the letters falling off i think they were genuinely very lucky with some of the letters that it didn't turn out to spell a very very rude word
0: <laughs> i know that's the only thing that could have made it better really is if there had been some rude words being thrown around um yeah it was yeah it was an absolute shambles i was loving every minute of it um I mean, but yeah. but you're right. By by the time this this episode goes out, Boris Johnson will have done something incredibly stupid again, and everyone will have forgotten all about it. He will have like, I don't know, mooned the Dalai Lama, or <laughs> something like that.
1: Yeah, I, the Dalai Lama would be okay with it, though.
0: He could take it. He'd probably moon him back.
1: Yeah, yeah. He should. He should moon. He uh, knowing Boris, I think he'd moon someone more dangerous. <laughs> Bashar al Assad maybe
0: <laughs> Putin.
1: Hey Putin he, would love it. Give
0: give Putin a little moon. I'd moon yeah.
1: Putin. I'd I'd if, moon I Putin. Him down,
0: yeah. if I saw him walking down the street, like, oi Vlad and then give him a little moon.
1: Yeah. If by some mad chance someone who listens to this podcast ever happens to be in the same room as Vladimir Putin, you gotta do the moon. It's the law.
0: Yeah, please, we sp- please do.
1: We are laying down the law. Hashtag moon Putin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> moon Putin.
1: We need to start a campaign after this episode goes out to to Moon Putin and get it, send it over to Russia. Are um yes. the la- are the ladies from Pussy Riot still in prison?
0: I don't know if they're not.
1: Because if if, if they're out really of prison, maybe they'd be up for it as their next protest. They,
0: they would. They would totally be up for mooning Putin. Well, they, yeah. uh, but, but hashtag moon Putin. Moon Putin sounds <laughs> like some kind of bizarro world Putin, like Putin who lives on the moon.
1: It's a yeah. It's like a space a space game, moon Putin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining like an an eight bit um, an eight bit side scroller with Putin on a horse in space.
0: Yes. Yeah. Shooting bears with a ray gun. Space bears.
1: Yeah, it's either that or what Frank Zappa would have called his kid if he'd had a kid with a Russian lady.
0: Oh yeah, Moon Unit. Meet, meet Moon Putin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> moon Unit. But yeah, so yeah, hashtag Moon Putin. But anyway, back to Crimson Peak. From the moon to the peak, um, it's called Crimson Peak. Because the clay in the soil um, can cause the the water to run red, and also when it snows, the clay gets up into the snow and makes it all red and look like blood.
0: Ooh, <laughs> yes, it's it's spooky. Um, it, it does. It makes a very nice. Um, it makes a very nice image, though, doesn't it? it, it yeah, it, it looks pretty and it looks spooky. So it's like, oh, that's cool.
1: It's mostly... It does feel slightly con- like it's contrived to make the, the final scene when the two ladies are hacking at each other um, in the in the red ice and snowstorm outside the house. It feels like it's mostly contrived just to make that look like a huge bloody thing. But as you say, because the it's aesthetically very nice to look at and the the lighting of it is very well done, you kind of... You allow it because it's good. Um, what you're saying about it being a pretty film, it really makes... All of that stuff sort of work a lot better, whereas it would feel more contrived if it wasn't well done but yeah, comparing it as you say to pan's labyrinth it's pan's labyrinth is not a pretty film I mean I love it I think it's a really arresting and amazing film, but it's oppressive it's a it's an oppressive film to watch and to experience, and it looks oppressive the imagery of it it's all it's all sharp sharp grays it's like the color of rocks coming at you whereas this this um you know crimson peak is more like it's like perfume, almost.
0: Yeah, it is. It's, 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 it's perfume with an afterscent of blood is, is the best way to think about Crimson Peak. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, you're right. Like, I think th- this movie has had some criticism for it being like too by the numbers, but I think that's kind of the point of it is that it's supposed to be this classic gothic horror story um and it does it perfectly um and because it's got that those stylistic points behind it um it kind of it it knows what tropes it wants to play with and it plays with them incredibly well and it knows what it wants to do and it knows when it wants to subvert and when it wants to like build on the viewers expectations in a very good way um yeah and yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of it. I, like, I you get the, the feeling
1: that there's something not right about him.
0: Yeah, and, it, and it's not just because... Yeah, me too.
1: Like, I, I enjoyed it. And I think... Uh... Sorry, go on.
0: Oh, I don't know what I was saying. There was a big gap on my end. <laughs> um Yeah, you you get a sense that there's something wrong with old with old sorry carry on um because he's uh he i mean partly because tom hiddleston generally just looks a bit untrustworthy anyway um but on top of that he's yeah you do get the sense that something's not quite right about it particularly from the angle of um jessica chastain who plays his sister lucille um who you're introduced to playing the piano very very dramatically um, and she's probably my favourite character in the whole yeah. film. I'd say. Um, I really love Jessica Chastain in this film, and it's clear that she had a load of fun playing her character.
1: Yeah, her performance is very good. But also, I think Tom Hiddleston's character is the most interesting because when the when it reaches its climax, I mean, I always knew. I think you know very very early on that obviously something isn't quite isn't quite right, and it's it's. I think it's fairly obvious that. They're trying to get her money, and that there's kind of a, a corrupt ulterior motive, and they're maybe gonna murder her or something dark is gonna happen. But I didn't see the um, the incest bit coming. Um, I didn't think that that was gonna be a thing. And then um, what emerges quite quickly, and actually maybe c- could have been differently, different done differently if it was maybe plotted earlier or sort of seeded earlier in the film and done. I don't know, subtly or in different ways or pulled out longer was that it then sort of became a love triangle for the last sort of 10 to 15 minutes Um, where Lucille was like, you said you wouldn't fall in love with anyone of his... And he's had... Turns out he's had like lots of wives that they've killed and that kind of thing. But it's like he really felt... He did genuinely fall in love with Edith this time. So he try, He tries to, to help her. <laughs> um And you do feel like the love between them is real, even though he's done this horrible dark thing and he's obviously got this horrible incestuous thing going on with his sister but you feel like he does want to break away from it and that to me made his character very, very interesting and made it um, and stopped it from feeling like it was by the numbers when it got to the climax.
0: Yeah, and, and it's something that this is the first time you've watched this movie but when you rewatch it, it, um, it's something that really shows up quite well is that there are these little subtle... Sort of frissons in between uh in between Lucille and Thomas over the course of the movie, um and so you like it's very shocking the first time you watch it that it turns out that this is a love triangle slash possibly a love square if you include dr Al yeah, yeah, as well,
1: he definitely has the hearts for her
0: yeah yeah they 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 go home and and they be American and in love together after this, I'm sure yeah, yeah. Um,
1: he gets his wounds patched up. It's all good. Yeah,
0: and and they get their emotional wounds patched up, and then they have a nice normal life with no creepy red ghosts. Yeah, or, the ghosts or, leave them
1: alone because they're, they're attached mean. to places.
0: Yes, yeah. Um, so they're all attached to Crimson Peak, as opposed to although that that does may beg an interesting question about was it attached to her home as well or is edith just incredibly perceptive when it comes to the paranormal
1: yeah maybe she i think she leans in that direction anyway so there's a chance that further down the line she's going to come across another ghost because she's in tune with the kind of the, the senses and the the emotions and that kind of other level in which the ghostly resides and it, and that element of it did make me think about ghosts and obviously i don't i don't believe in ghosts either but the idea of what ghosts In literature and film and culture are supposed to represent and there's there's always obviously some kind of you can always read metaphorical stuff into them that it's like you providing an allegory for something that is haunting someone not like a ghost but something in the mind or something in your past something that needs to be exercised so you can get back to living or whatever it is and it made me think of that it did the kind of the classic thing that a ghost story is supposed to represent on a broader level it accomplished that I'd say
0: yeah for sure um, and on top of that it has amazing horrible incest so it like you know it, it ticks all the boxes for for uh gothic yeah for bear. sure um I, but yeah I love I love the character of Lucille in this film because like from from the go she gives zero shits about what she says and how she acts around anybody and like you just get the sense immediately oh no, this one's a wrong one. Yeah. Um she she's bad news and like her 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 character is just like dripping in venom in every scene. It's great. Um, she just
1: comes across as a rude, weird creep.
0: And yeah it's great. Yeah. Um I really love um I really love Jessica Chastain as well. Um I think like it's a really good cast, this film. There's a lot of really great people yeah. in it. And although although it's a lot of big name actors, um, they surpass their reputations and they surpass that when you watch this film you don't look at Tom Hiddleston and go oh that's Tom Hiddleston you don't yeah. look at Jessica Chastain and go oh that's Jessica Chastain they really become one with the characters that they're playing
1: yeah for sure I didn't even think about the fact that it was Tom Hiddleston for quite a way in and I was like oh yeah it's that guy <laughs> I think because his hair and his costume and stuff were all very different to what he what he normally does you're like and he was doing it well you're like yeah sure I think there's no Performance that lets that lets it down at all. All the performances are really good.
0: And and what's interesting is that um, the two leads weren't the weren't the first choices for this movie. So initially, ah. uh, Guillermo del Toro he wanted Benedict Cumberbatch and Emma Stone to play um, ah. Edith and Thomas. Um, but I think it works very well this way around. I can't really imagine those two wow. doing as well. Yeah,
1: that would have been a very very different film. Actually, <laughs> I think i think emma stone's fantastic but i'm not sure i can't think of anything where i've seen her doing like sort of gothic style feminine acting and i yeah i'm sure she is capable of it but it's hard to picture um whereas i guess because now you've got the the image of mia razakovska in in place it's hard to jump away from that whereas i wouldn't have enjoyed it with cumberbatch although he's got a weird face so it would have been quite appropriate
0: he does have a weird face yeah but I think like Tom Hiddleston has that charm to him that I don't necessarily think Cumberbatch has. No. That I think kind of like
1: we're going to get loads of emails from irate teenagers who are, who love Cumberbatch but I think he's got a weird face and I am a Cumberbatch denier. He's not good. <laughs> I don't I don't get it.
0: I I think he's a fine actor. I don't get him as a sex symbol at all. Um, yeah. And I'm gonna whisper this. I don't really like Sherlock very much.
1: I've never seen it, mate. Never even seen like a second of it, and I can't be asked. Well, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen the odd trailer, and I'm just like, okay, fine, whatever. Yeah, I've, I, I can't say I have any inter- interest in Sherlock.
0: I like, I, I yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of Sherlock. It's too clever for its own good, and I just get bored of it.
1: I'd rather watch um, Basil the Great Mouse Detective.
0: Yeah, that's a good detective right there.
1: That's the ultimate Sherlock Holmes story. You can't top it.
0: Precisely. Um but yeah, no, I do I do like old Cumberbatch as in general though. I think he's a really good um I think he's a really good actor. Um, but I I like um I like Tom Hiddleston a lot in this film. I think he's perfect for this role. And he's got that charm but that kind of like nastiness to him, that kind of like Deep down, he's bad news, kind of thing. Um, yeah. But then he's got he's got that conflict in his mind between: does he want to go through with his plan, or does he really want to be with be with Edith? Um See, I
1: feel like he really does, and I, th- I, I for me, his performance was so, well, his performance of the love was so believable that when you you when he turned out to be obviously having the incestuous relationship, and then doing some murdering and doing all these bad deeds, um, obviously you were very, I was very saddened by that, but then and I did believe that as well, but then obviously when, you, when it turns out that he loves her and he's trying to help her by, you know, not fatally stabbing Dr. Owl and that kind of thing, that part of it was all the more believable because you believed the previous bit rather than buying him being bad, and then when you find out that Lucille was the one who killed the dad, you're like yeah, of course it was her, because she's the really evil one And his performance sort of walked that line really well, especially And the same thing happened early on when he sort of, he shouts at her at the party to try and um, kind of break it off. And then it's revealed relatively quickly that the dad paid him to do that. And you're like, yeah, I knew he wouldn't really do that because he's a good boy.
0: Yeah, he's he's a sick, 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 sick man, but he's not a wrong one. Yeah. If you know what I mean.
1: I feel it's, like he yeah. gets he gets redemption as well because obviously he dies, but then his ghost is there at the end. Um, it's sort of a grey a grey a gray ghost, and she sort of sort of pats him on the head. She touches him as if he's a dog, <laughs> <laughs> but she's like, "Yeah, thank you. It's, it's going to be okay. You're at peace."
0: Yeah, it, it's nice. He so you you don't know whether I I can't remember. Do you remember? Do you see him again at the end? Do you see? You see Lucille playing the piano as a spooky ghost.
1: Yeah, no, uh-huh. he he appears behind Lucille, and then oh, okay. she kills Lucille, yeah. and then he's sort of he's sort of standing there, and she sort of puts her hand on him as if to say, you know, thank you, and I'm sorry, and whatever, and then he sort of fades away. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, because because it's because otherwise, you know, then he would have got eternity with his with his incest sister. Yeah, you know, he could have had he could have had both if he was. Happy to be a chilled out romance ghost with his sister.
1: Yeah, but no, you felt like he'd had enough of her. He'd rather be at peace, whereas she has to be the scary ass ghost haunting the house and playing the piano and all that kind of stuff. Doing, you know, classic ghost stuff.
0: I'm surprised that no shark in um, in a studio has been like, you know what, we should make a sequel to Crimson Peak. Where a bunch of kids go and look in the Crimson Peak house, and they get killed by crazy incest ghost.
1: I I could see that happening. I mean, it, it's a relatively recent film, isn't it? Twenty fifteen. I reckon yeah, that's I reckon yeah. that's in the works, starring Finn Wolfhard.
0: Finn, no Finn Wolfhard's got better taste. than Our that. Our
1: favourite guy, Finn Wolfhard. We now have to mention him on every episode. That's the law. <laughs> Finn Wolfhard update. Like, I don't know whether it should come before or after the Jacob Rees-Mogg update <laughs> although
0: so I don't have one get... for,
1: this, for this week because it's only been two days
0: yeah he's not done anything awful in the last two days has he
1: apart from continuing to exist
0: yeah I mean that he could do us all a favour and just disappear from existence yeah L- like some kind of apparition that fades but unfortunately he's not an apparition he's a real human being yeah. I say human being. I think if anybody was going to turn out to be a reptilian, it would be Jacob Rees-Mogg.
1: Yeah, definitely. He is an absolute compassion and sense vacuum.
0: <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. So. So I think I think if anyone deserved to get haunted by spooky ghosts, it would be Jacob Rees-Mogg. Yeah. But but unfortunately, it is it is Edith in this movie. But but they they kind of help her, don't they? They are nice.
1: Yeah, definitely, and especially that kind of really comes to fruition when Tom's ghost appears, and it, he's like not scary and not bloody and red. You're like, okay, the ghosts are there for her, and Tom's kind of providing a symbol of that at the end. So the haunting was all kind of okay. It, they weren't trying to scare her, perhaps. Well, yeah, maybe like the, the um. The one with the, the hatchet in the head? Or does it, it was like a cleaving knife? That one was probably the most scary. That one was just like straight up terrifying.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and, and you, you mentioned to me, I hope you don't mind me mentioning this on the podcast, Paddy but you said to me that you were gonna be watching it in the bath. Yep. Um, and in the back of my mind, I was like, ha there's some scary scenes in a bathroom when she's in the bath and there are the ghosts in the bath. And I was like, oh, Paddy's going to like that if he's still in the bath and that happens.
1: Luckily, I had gotten out of the bath by this time.
0: Oh, OK. OK.
1: Yeah. So I wasn't in the bath. But yeah, the, when she runs the taps and it comes out red, I think I was still in the bath at that point. But I'd already run the bath. So I was like, well, if that was going to happen, it would have happened already.
0: Oh, OK. There we go. That's all. Right, yeah. Then. Yeah. Um, so a few things that I wanted to point out about this film as well is it's got that I mean this film feels very much like a Guillermo del Toro movie but it does it has that kind of extra stylistic tendency to it but it does have his trademark horrible horrible murder yeah um, where, where, um, where Lucille is now beyond redemption and stabs to- her brother Thomas and it's really horrible she like stabs him through the face um and it's quite an it's quite a nasty scene really isn't it and it kind of it's really shocking because up until that point it's been very sort of like cartoonish in the way that it's portrayed things yeah and then, and then yet, suddenly it's...
1: everyone's stabbing each other there's a lot of stabbing
0: yeah, there's a lot of stabbing going on um but that but that initial stab on on Thomas um is really it really packs a punch because it it kind of feels so real where everything else up until that point in the film had felt so fantastical, as it were. Um, and I thought that was very effective. And then yeah, after that after that Lucille was just like, right, I'm gonna go start carving people up.
1: Yeah. She went she went crazy with the carving knife. She did. Yeah, have you got have you got some trivia? Have you got facts, have you got things?
0: I I do, I do. So, um, so one bit of trivia is that um, this isn't the only time that Tom Hiddleston and Mia Wasikowska have been in a movie together. All right. They, they're also in Only Lovers Left Alive, which is something that I considered putting in for Horror Month this time round. So maybe next year. Yeah. Um, sounds like can, a Smiths song. It, it is about a musician. It's about a vampire musician. Only lovers left alive. Um, it's a really good movie, actually. Um, with Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston All right. who are a pair of um, a pair of vampires and he's like a sort of uh, a secluded um, musician who has like a cult following and creates these kind of like almost like doom soundscape pieces and stuff like that So everyone thinks everything, Everyone thinks he's super cool um, it's also got um, my favourite man who unfortunately passed away Anton Yelkin
1: Oh yeah, very think, young, in a car crash yeah. It's terrible mm. Really awful
0: um, And he's he's really great in this Like he's really great in everything um, And yeah uh, Mia Wasikowska and John Hurt And it's really great, it's a really Nice movie um, Not like nice as in A feel good summer Smash, but a very good film A very pretty film Oh that's cool um, and it's about, yeah, it's about sort of like the relationship between Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston basically. Yeah. Um, but, they're, but they're vampires.
1: She's a fantastic actress. She's done a, real, a lot of kind of quite creepy stuff as well. But then, yeah, some really very, very arresting human stuff, but weird stuff as well, like her performance in We Need to Talk About Kevin is just, yeah, that's something that stays with you for a long time.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I wasn't a huge fan of the movie adaptation of that book, but she was great in it. Um, I was, I was really keen on her performance. I thought she was phenomenal.
1: Yeah, I think it didn't nail the the plot and the characterization and stuff, but the performances were all really good.
0: Mm, yeah, for certain, for certain. Um, but yeah, so I, I thought that was that was nice to see that um, that. Uh, that these two have worked together, and like they don't have that same chemistry in that film because there's a friction between them, but I think they work really well together on screen. Um, yeah. And uh, and yeah, so uh, another another good bit of trivia is that you know where um, where Edith gets pushed off the balcony. Yeah. Um, that was uh, Mia Wasikowska doing her own stunt. Blimey. Yeah, so she she did a little sort of spin on the like performance wire things they had, and then did a nice land on a mattress, and she did it herself.
1: Nice, because um, she falls down several flights of stairs. She does, well, yeah. Several it's floors.
0: Pretty, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty nasty. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's it's a good it's a good thing. Um, this movie also has a good dog. I don't think we've mentioned the good yeah.
1: dog yet. Yeah. There's a little doggy that's in quite a few scenes just like following them around.
0: Yeah, and so so it's the dog of one of the previous wives who um, Tom Hiddleston apparently just kicked it out into the wilderness, but the dog has somehow managed to survive. And I think maybe that would be a good prequel movie or a a spin-off movie, like how this cute little doggy managed to stay alive for so long in in the harshness of Britain.
1: I reckon it's because the doggy went away and found solace at Finn Wolfhard's house. But then eventually tried to go back to its owner. So the reason that Finn, Wolfhard, and the kids show up at the house is because they're looking for the doggy. <laughs> yeah,
0: that that I like that. I like that. Um, what, one other thing that, that that it's not a piece of trivia, but one thing that I love about this movie is that like you've got this love square going on. So you've got Edith and Thomas. They get married. It's kind of a scam to get her money and kill her, but um, they end up. He ends up falling in love with her, but then of course he's still in love with his sister. Um, and then there is Dr. Alan McMichael, who who clearly loves Edith, who like comes to her rescue and he travels he's he speaks with the private investigator that Edith's dad hired to look into. Yeah. Also to a really great sharks.
1: performance from that guy. He's like yeah. a he's like a cockney bad gangster guy. <laughs> he's great.
0: Yeah, Ben Gorman, who's awesome in everything. He's in uh, he's in the Dark Knight Rises. Oh yeah, as well. Um, where he also plays a creep, he's really good at playing the creep. Basically, um, he's great. Uh, I, I really like him as an actor, and he always puts in a really nice performance in whatever he's in. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think I think one of the things I really like him in is uh, he did a he was in the TV adaptation of and then there were none, which I don't know if you saw.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed that actually. Yeah, that
0: was great. He also um, had
1: um Poldark was in it.
0: It did. It had Poldark, Dark, handsome pole Dark man. Yeah,
1: not not yeah. enough shirtless t- time, hauling wheat about, obviously.
0: No, he didn't. He didn't take his shirt off too much in it. I think there was a little bit of shirtless action. Yeah, or at least very much like a low cut top.
1: He was in. in that. There was some unbuttoning.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. And, Char- and the always wonderful Charles Dance.
1: Yeah. Oh well.
0: man, Charles Dance. He's great, and Sam Neil as well, who's also wonderful.
1: Have you seen him on Twitter?
0: Sam Neill, yes. Yeah, he mostly just
1: talks about wine and mad stuff because he run, he's running a vineyard in New Zealand or something.
0: Yeah, he's, he's, awesome on, he's awesome on Twitter. I'm a big fan of him on Twitter. He's great. Um, but yeah, so, so, uh, so uh, old Dr. McMichael, handsome Charlie Hunnam, he comes, he's all like, oh no, I've got to go and save Edith. So he travels across from America and then he's like gallantly comes up to go, and, uh, to go and rescue her from the house and then it's, it's almost like um, the guy in The Shining who comes up to rescue the kid um, who then immediately gets killed so he comes through the door he has that little chat with them, and he's like I'm going to get you out of here and then he just gets stabbed by Lucille and it's like oh no Charlie Hunnam he was so close Yeah, but, but, he, but doesn't, he doesn't die immediately no, which is he good. Does she doesn't fatally
1: on... stab him when you, you feel like she could have done but she didn't it's like she wanted to enjoy torturing him or something or just enjoyed a bit of maiming but yeah she sort of stabs him under the armpit um so he's still alive when she could have just stabbed him in the heart but
0: so so i i think it's kind of her way of trying to get her brother to be in on the murder yeah because then she's like you can now finishing off finish him off so it's like you need to be complicit in this as well because like at this point, like, she's a bit concerned about whether he's really still in it, if it as it were. Yeah. Um, and so she hands him the knife, and then, and then Thomas Sharp, he's like, you're a doctor, tell me where to stab you. And it's like, yeah, okay, so he clearly doesn't want to kill Charlie Hammond because he wants Edith to get away. And so, so, so Dr. McMichael is able to survive because he gets a bit of a stabbing, but he's, he's all right. Somehow. it's
1: it's in an okay place it's in the, the stomach or something
0: yeah i mean this is like 1900 so he's probably gonna die because he's been stabbed yeah medicine medicine weren't that good <laughs>
1: and yeah his medical knowledge you know is probably wasn't as advanced as what we're used to today he was but he was still hobbling at the time they hobble away together into the snow but yeah i was thinking that at the end as well that like when that he he's making his way there he tries to get a horse from a guy and it's like the nearest place is four hours away on foot and that's at like a normal walking place and like you're never gonna make it
0: yeah yeah So like, yeah he, he he's dedicated but at the same time it's a bit dumb he he, he ends up getting getting knocked off well really yeah. knocked off and he, he kind of he's a bit useless really <laughs> but but fair enough you know I, you know, if if I if I was, if I like, I don't know, if the tables were turned and I felt fell in love with with the roguish, evil charms of Jessica Chastain, um, I'd want, you know, my Charlie Hunnan to to come and try and rescue me, and I think I'd be appreciative, yeah, of, uh, of that kind of rescue attempt.
1: Oh, definitely. He's rugged. He sort of, you know, forces his way in. He's ballsy. He's charming. Yeah, nothing He's wrong with that. You can't be a doctor. Nope. Whatever kind of doctor.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> the Paddy Johnston kind of doctor. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. So I re. I really enjoyed that, and like I liked how it kind of. I don't know if it was a deliberate aping of The Shining. Um. I know that Guillermo del Toro considered it one of his inspirations for the film. I think, right. I guess. To, with regards to like. The isolated location and that kind of things um those kind of things um yeah. but yeah i like to think that he was sort of like oh yeah we'll just do that thing in like in the shining but maybe we'll have him survive this time we'll see
1: yeah that's i think that's too much too close to it to be a coincidence but you can think of that as being like a loving a loving tribute or something that's found its way in you know by by way of you know influence rather than nicking it
0: yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and uh, l- l- let's, let's go on to some, some good quotes from the movie.
1: There were a lot of snappy lines, actually, and uh, especially his lines, Tom Hiddleston's lines, and a lot of them were sort of prophetic as well, and in a, in a slightly cheesy way as well, when you knew that things were going to happen later on, they kind of prefixed things in a quite an obvious way, but that they were still enjoyable it gave it a bit of sort of lightheartedness when actually it could have ended up sort of quite pedestrian and plodding through the period drama bits. So yeah, the script was pretty tight actually.
0: Yeah. I think it's, it's really good. Cause again, it's sort of like, it knows that people, what people are going to expect from a film like this. And I think it holds its own really well in that regard. Um, my favorite line in the whole thing is probably um, when, when uh, uh, Edith walks in on the brothers and sisters having a bit of a pork session, um up in the attic um because you know if you're gonna if you're gonna have an incestuous relationship with someone you should do it in a creepy attic yeah you know it's just part of the course you can't do it in a nice well-lit bedroom no you've got you've got to have that shame you've got to understand that shame
1: you've got to make best use of your isolated creepy ass house and all of its <laughs> <laughs> weird vile rooms
0: yeah yeah for certain you've got to you've got to do that um and and so she then sort of like runs away she's like oh my god what's going on and she gets followed by by the two of them and lucille's there um and either sort of like oh no i understand now you're not brothers and you're not brother and sister and and like lucille's just like no we are and then shoves her off and it's just like oh yes that's great it's really good sort of yeah Doesn't I she
1: says something like and it's delicious or something where you're like oh. <laughs> yeah,
0: something like that's <laughs> um and i think like like lucille has some of the best lines in the movie um so like they're they're looking at they're in like the living room area of the big house and um and they're looking at the portrait of of the mother of lucille and thomas and edith's looking up at it and she's like she looks quite and then there's a little pause and then we saw pops up with like horrible it's like yes it's an excellent likeness (laughs) it's just like (laughs) great Great lines in it.
1: Yeah, um, she's got the sharpest lines for sure.
0: Yeah, it's it's really good, and like every everything that she says to Edith is kind of like mega threatening in a really passive aggressive way. Um, and like I love that level of like passive aggressiveness in a character.
1: Yeah, for sure. But you you wonder as well if that's to do with the the particular when you're watching it at first you don't know the true nature of it you're like well maybe that's just a kind of sister-in-law thing that's a relatively common thing right for sisters-in-law so you're like oh she's not she's not a murdering creep she's just a, a slightly bitchy sister-in-law
0: yeah yeah i think it, it plays well with those kind of ideas where you're like oh is she is she gonna be evil or not but it, it's one of those films where I, I really recommend that like when you feel like watching it again definitely do because it takes on this kind of different feel the next time you watch it um, and so, so Katie and I, we, we re watch this movie quite a lot, I think we're considering re-watching it again as it gets closer to Halloween Nice, uh, for instance, because yeah we, we really like this film and it does get, it is interesting to watch on future, like watch multiple times because it does kind of change the dynamics when you've seen it once and you kind of pick up on like all of the little subtext that's sort of like splattered about earlier on in the film
1: yeah it's it's interesting to think about that as it applies to all the different kinds of films that we watch for this podcast actually because some think some films like this where they a lot of the 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 hooks of it rely on dramatic irony so if it's if you can watch it again and still get a lot out of it that's a really really good thing as well so you know you you know that you're gonna get to the incest bit so it's not as shocking, but you find. Hooks and you engage with other things in the film. That's that's a testament to, I think, you know, good writing and great filmmaking.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um,
1: Where some films don't demand a second watch.
0: No, no, some some definitely don't. But I think this is one that does. And cough, I
1: think, the Bridges of Madison County. Cough.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know about you, Paddy, but I've been rewatching the Bridges of Madison County pretty much every week. <laughs> since we watched it. I just can't get enough of that film.
1: Yeah. That's usually my go-to bath film.
0: <laughs> um, What other films that we've watched on the podcast would you like to watch another time, though?
1: Let's see. What else? I think most of them I would watch again. I'm trying to... We've done... This is our 23rd episode, would you believe? So I'm trying to... Um, I can't even remember half the films that we've done Clueless would watch again oh, ten, yeah, sure. ten, 10 Things I Hate About You would watch again mm-hmm. Lay Miz was quite a long slog so I don't know if I would watch that again in a hurry but I'd definitely be open to it we haven't had any that have been like real stinkers The Room is obviously a, a classic
0: yeah The Room you've got to watch time and time again
1: Like that, that is a film I could watch at any time and at any point like I could watch the room immediately after watching the room,
0: yeah, yeah, for, for certain
1: yeah, oh the notebook i don't I don't ever want to watch the notebook again
0: <laughs> never want to watch the never want to watch the notebook again
1: no, it's too too much of Ryan Gosling being mean and sad in the rain, and yeah, no it's and then suddenly all the it's all sad because they're old and old people die, no, I don't want that I don't need that in my life.
0: Um, speaking of our, our old episodes, did you see that Jane Fonda and Robert Redford are going to reunite?
1: I did, but I can't remember what the context of it was.
0: So they're, they're in a movie called Our Souls at Night.
1: Uh, that's right, and I remember yeah. this because... <laughs> Because the name, the name <laughs> doesn't
0: sound as good when you say it in an English accent I know, I, in a
1: way I can't believe that they didn't think of that Our <laughs> ar- <laughs> ar- souls at night <laughs>
0: Yeah, our ar- souls at night
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I think, yeah, that's right I think I saw an advert for it I really hope that someone says the line says that in the movie as well Our um, ar- so- ar- souls at night
0: So it's out on Netflix now, I believe
1: Oh, okay. Um,
0: so I am I need to watch it, really, because I love Jane Fonda and Robert Redford. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's really nice to, to see about them being in a movie again together because, like, I love their fit in the park.
1: I really, really love when actors get to a, a significantly advanced age and can still give, put in a really, really good performance, as I'm, I don't doubt that they both can and that their performances are good. I'll have to check mm. it out.
0: Yeah, I've I've watched stuff with Robert Redford and with Jane Fonda in recently. I've not seen that, and they're both great. Whereas, like some actors, they they, they clearly give zero shits now. Um, I'm, I'm looking at you, Al Pacino. <laughs> right now,
1: <laughs> I haven't seen him in anything in ages. What's he done recently?
0: Uh, he's in a he's in an Adam Sandler movie.
1: Oh, okay. But well, as you know, in, I'm a I'm a Sandler apologist.
0: He's so. in Jack and Jill playing himself. Um,
1: okay i haven't seen that one
0: it's it's not great <laughs> i'm not gonna lie <laughs> um and, and robert de niro is another one who like i mean these, these are these are oh, yeah he's so he's like,
1: doing like dirty grandpa and old men yeah. go to vegas and have sex and take drugs so <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah exactly
1: those kind of films or old man does a young people job in a tech company and that's literally it he's he's in all those kind of films yeah i don't get the feeling he's being very discerning with his his choices
0: yeah so, so like I, i'm sure they can both pull out like good performances now but they've clearly like they've both done so many incredible movies but to be honest who gives a shit if they do bad stuff like like they they've earned the right to they've earned the right to do some crap if they want to oh yeah like, for sure and like robert de niro he's been in some really bad movies recently like dirty grandpa is terrible is it have awful, you seen it oh, yeah well i started watching it um it's it's awful and like, like why a, a morbid curiosity yeah um
1: yeah it, it, i could see how that could be classed as a horror film <laughs>
0: Whereas, like, and but, like Robert, Robert De Niro, he's been in like, um, what's it called? Silver Linings Playbook. That wasn't. Oh, he was ago. he what, was good in ago? that. Yeah. Which is really good, and he is in a movie called Red Lights, which I really like, which is kind of like a spooky, horror-y, mystery movie with uh, with Sigourney Weaver and Killian Murphy. In. Yeah. That's that's a pretty decent film, and Robert De Niro is suitably suitably monstrous in that.
1: You get the feeling that maybe he's just taking every role that is offered to him because he's trying to squash as much in before he gets to the point where he is too old to act anymore,
0: yeah alternatively, I think maybe he maybe they're just choosing movies that they think will be fun to do because it's not like they need the money anymore, yeah, so is this going to be an enjoyable movie to film? if so, yeah, why not? let's go do it, which is fair enough like i think I think it's one of the good things about like these classic actors is like they don't need to care about. Like necessarily care about their integrity that much in terms of like keeping up appearances and they can care more about the quality of their life through the movies that they choose, mm. instead of the quality of their career per se, because they've already had such established careers.
1: Yeah, they've got absolutely nothing to prove, so why not?
0: Yeah, exactly, so you know, when I reach Robert De Niro's age, if I'm successful, I hope I get the chance to write Dirty Grandpa 2.
1: <laughs> right. Did he yeah, writes well, it.
0: Well, well, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be an actor.
1: All oh, right, but, I thought. Know. Oh, I thought you meant that Robert De Niro wrote it. I was like, why <laughs> would he? Why would he write something <laughs> like that?
0: To To be fair, if he would it, written it as well, I think I would have had to watch it the whole whole way through just to see the inner workings of De Niro's mind.
1: Yeah. But yeah, looking back at the list of all the films we've seen, yeah, I would definitely watch the rest of them again worlds and kate the movie that should be kind of a once every couple of months viewing for sure
0: <laughs> it's almost a religious experience it? yeah and kate, the
1: movie. it's um it's central to understanding the church of england
0: <laughs> yes for certain for certain oh, dear.
1: oh well so have you thought of a um a rating scale for crimson peak
0: oh i don't know Mm, That's a difficult one, actually, because you've got the obvious one of like how many creepy moths are going to be flying around. Oh yeah, but like I'd like one more. How how many? Hmm. Ah, that's a difficult one, actually.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm struggling. There's a lot of elements, but none where there are sort of multiple things like you couldn't even have how how many creepy ghosts because there's only like three or
0: four in there isn't there um how many seconds would you stand there awkwardly whilst jessica chastain and tom hiddleston had incest sex in front of you how about (laughs) that
1: (laughs) yeah the true test of a film's greatness
0: (laughs) how many yeah out of 20 incest seconds oh no that sounds wrong because it seems like you're taking part in the incest (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How long could you last <laughs> before yeah, throwing
0: okay. up? So, yeah. How many? How many incest seconds would you last before throwing up?
1: Let's uh, see. I'm gonna give it 14 out of 20. Oh,
0: okay.
1: So I think there were elements of it that was somewhat formulaic for me and somewhat obvious. Like it felt like you knew where it was going. So as a as a result, it kind of sagged in the middle. Um, So, but I would like to watch it again I definitely would watch it again and there were lots of things that I really enjoyed about it I liked the the fact that it was essentially just a gothic romance with some ghost stuff tacked on and again the, the ghost stuff did feel just a tiny bit tacked on which is why it couldn't get up into the 15, 16, 17 bracket maybe but it was still a very very good solid, enjoyable and captivating film with great performances, great to look at and it did blend the romance and the horror well in the way that I was hoping we would have with these kind of films for this month
0: oh good stuff good stuff yeah
1: how long How long will you last
0: mm. I think I'm going to go up to 17 seconds mm. I'd have that kind of like it would be like I'd see it and I'd be shocked and then there'd be that initial shocked and then I'd be like have they not noticed that I'm standing here and they're still having creepy incest sex in front of me, so I'd give a little cough to try and get their attention.
1: Yeah, so you're getting involved. Whereas I think 14 seconds, it's, like, enough that you stand there, you watch a bit out of morbid curiosity, and then you get the hell out.
0: Yeah, whereas I'm sort of like, why are they not stopping? I should make them aware that they're being watched having their creepy incest sex. Because, you know, next time, just, like, lock the door, mate. Come on.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this creepy-ass house must have locks, padlocks, bolts and stuff, you know.
0: Yeah, so like, you know, I think Or even
1: even close the door. Closing the door would be a start.
0: (laughs) Close close the door would be a good start. If you're trying to keep your incest relationship away from your your like wife that you're trying to slowly poison off. (laughs) Oh yeah, they poison her. Poison tea. Poison tea. We could have
1: gone with how many cups of poison tea would it take to kill you? That would have oh, been a, that, mu- a much less disgusting That so. would have been
0: less disgusting, but you know me, Paddy, I am a filthy man. Yeah, um, too late. Uh, yeah, we've, I'm afraid we've got to go with the incest route. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so 17, 17 out of 20 for me. Um, nice. I, I, don't. This isn't like a must-watch movie for me. I'm not always in the mood to watch it, um, but I think it's really effective. If you like your cinematography, then this is like a great film to watch just in terms of like... How those old-fashioned horror movie dynamics can still work in the modern age of cinema. Yeah, um, and I think that's a real takeaway for me. It's like this is a pretty movie. I can put this on and just lose myself in the way it's filmed. And, but on top of that, there's a great plot. There's a great romance in this film. There's a great script. Um, it's genuinely spooky, um, and it's got a few moments that you'll just be like smiling. It's not like laugh-out-loud funny, but there's some no. there's some good there's some good Dark humour in here as well.
1: There's enough humour in it to make it lighthearted to take the edge off the gothic elements without yes. it seeming yeah. cheesy.
0: Yeah, so I, I, it, it's a great film. I like it a lot. Um, and yeah, so seventeen out of twenty.
1: Very good. Yeah, very good choice. And a good, a very, very different to The Fly, obviously. And but yeah. both of them, yeah. in their own way, managed to blend horror and romance in a very interesting and engaging way. Good choices, yeah. Uh, I, want, I I don't know if the fourth episode of this this extravaganza is going to be the same, but we can't we can't say what it is yet.
0: No, no. But we no. we do have one other one other movie to watch in our in our normal format. Yeah, don't we? And uh, that movie is called Spring yep. from twenty fourteen.
1: Um, so but so quite recent the same as yeah. um, crimson peak both within the last few years or in this this decade
0: yeah for sure i think like with with these movies we've tried to pick ones that sort of like look at romance in a different way to one another so we have the fly which is like a, a kind of tragic romance that sort of like all to do with like the disintegration of, the, of their romance through the disintegrate, literal disintegration of one of the people in it then you've got the gothic romance and then Spring is kind of like an indie mumblecore romance but also including horror so that's it's cool an, it's quite an interesting film to watch so I'm intrigued to see what you think of it
1: yeah I'm intrigued by that too we haven't really done much in the mumblecore zone have we
0: no no
1: so I'm um, a I'm a fan of it
0: yeah I, I I can find it very tiresome but I think good good mumblecore movies um, they're, they're 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 worth their weight in gold yeah basically um, but yeah so so yeah next next time up we've got spring um, which is yeah uh, in my opinion it's an interesting little film to watch Um, but of course we want to hear what what our listeners thought of spring next time round. but what did you think of crimson peak as well please let us know
1: yeah for sure and the fly as well because obviously Mm -hmm. we haven't had a recording this before the fly episode goes out so i haven't had a chance to hear back from you about that yet either so you know what do you what do you think of the fly what do you think of crimson peak how much poison tea would you drink you know we're we're always keen to hear from you
0: what what's more disturbing, Jeff Goldblum's gooey gooey face, or the incest in Crimson Peak?
1: <laughs> yeah, which oh yeah, or which is kind of a scarier image to you, Jeff Goldblum as the kind of the the brundlefly final figure thing, or the the fly crossed with the teleporter um, monster, or the the scary ghost in Crimson Peak, the one yeah. that's cr- crawling along the carpet, going, Burr, going, Burr. yeah. Those are some um, good noises.
0: Yeah, there are some good noises in this movie. Actually, um, who's your who's your favourite character in Crimson Peak? Do you do you like Lucille as much as I do, or do you find her a bit too crazy evil?
1: Yeah, are you are you an Alf fan?
0: Yeah do you, do you like Doctor McMichael?
1: Um, or is it all or, about the beaver?
0: Do you think that the giant puffy shoulders of Edith's dress are as amazing as I do?
1: <laughs> you want them.
0: Yeah, I like if I had that nightgown, I'd wear it all the time. You like, should just...
1: sew some puffy shoulders like that onto your new denim jacket.
0: <laughs> yes, I think that would look amazing. Um,
1: that would definitely help you look hard in the you know the gangster gangster scenes. I,
0: I think Charles Bronson would definitely be intimidated by me in a Death Wish movie if I had giant puffy, like Victorian shoulders on my on my denim jacket. Yeah. <laughs> Do, do you, yeah, dear listeners, do you think that I could take Charles Bronson?
1: <laughs> I, I'm going to say yes, but we need to, yeah, we need to have a poll. Maybe yeah, after yeah. this goes out, we'll do a Twitter poll.
0: Yeah, I think that would be a good idea. Um, yeah. Who, who, what, what 80s movie type thing do you reckon would be most likely to kill me if I was a member of a gang? Would it be like a Terminator? Maybe a Predator? Charles Bronson? <laughs> maybe sylvester stallone as a as a as a maverick cop
1: yeah or would you end up trying to you know teleport yourself and get an, an animal in there and end up becoming a beast you know that yeah, could happen
0: it's true um what other questions can we have if if paddy and i were characters in crimson peak which ones would we be yep
1: yeah. this is a lot of questions
0: it is, yeah. I want answers. It's good. On, we
1: guys. we need we have a lot of questions and we need a lot of answers. So yeah,
0: this is pull, important.
1: Pull your fingers out.
0: <laughs> do, do do you think that <laughs> Jacob Reese Mogg sees the world like Crimson Peak everywhere he goes?
1: Yeah. I I, I can tell you, yes, definitely. <laughs> True. <laughs> no. Also if any of you feel like haunting Jacob Reese Mogg, go for it. As in, just get a bed sheet, put it over your head. Run up to him and go woo, and then run away.
0: Yeah, totally do that. It doesn't film, have
1: to be Halloween.
0: Film, film the results of that. I want to know if he gets scared or if he's just vaguely amused.
1: Yeah. Or if you live in his constituency of West Somerset, go trick or treat his house. Yeah. Ugh. And even if he says treat, give him your trick.
0: I bet he like gives out like little tubes of toothpaste to trick or treaters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or, like, or like, here's a dry cracker, young children.
1: Yeah. Or is he the kind of asshole who's like, oh, I, it, I can't give you sweets because they're unhealthy, but here's some fruit. I yeah. think that's the most offensive thing you could do on Halloween.
0: Yeah, get out. Like, I, I when I was young, or shooting wasn't really a big thing in the UK, so I'd never had that experience. Yeah. But like... We we do have like the old kid that comes around triple treating now and it's like, Yeah, of course we're gonna give him some sweets.
1: Yeah. Right. We we give get them. quite a few of them. We have a special bowl and it's orange and it's got spiders on it, and we fill it with sweets. Oh amazing. Yeah. It's great.
0: Oh, I love Halloween. It's so good.
1: Yeah, it is great. I I sh- I'll post in the show notes the picture of me when I went to Halloween party two years ago as a ghost and just cut two holes in a bed sheet. <laughs> it was great.
0: I I remember back at back at university, um, I had two really good Halloween costumes. Um one of them was like a creepy ass goth guy with a top hat and that was really good. And that, that I think that genuinely scared a few people. Um and then the other another one I went as Dead Kurt Cobain.
1: Nice. And
0: yeah, that was that, that was quite good fun. Um but yeah, those those are the two ones that I put the most dedication into 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 doing Halloween time. But yeah, I, I, one year I'm hoping to go to. I haven't been to a Halloween party in a couple of years just because I now live in the middle of nowhere. Um, but one year I'm hoping to go to one just as BoJack Horseman.
1: Yeah, I think I've seen a guy do that. Or well, there was a guy with a horse's head. Oh no, that was a that was a comic con. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was a guy at Thought Bubble last year dressed as Bojack Horseman. Like he had the jacket oh, cool. and then jumper and everything, and then that kind of like fake plastic horse's head that you can buy.
0: Yeah, because his outfit's actually it's pretty easy to put together. Um, and then I'll just go around not drinking real alcohol, obviously because I don't drink. But you know, drinking yep. fake alcohol,
1: being fake, boozed up,
0: fake boozed up.
1: Yep, I think that'd be good. So, yeah, that's a lot of questions for you listeners. So, you know, get us your answers to on Twitter at BigBoysDon'tPod or drop us an email, BigBoysDon'tCryPodcast at gmail.com We need answers, people. Yes, come on. We need them. I won't, we, I won't rest until we get answers.
0: We, we give you so much joy through our ramblings. All, yeah. all we need is just a few answers to our questions.
1: And don't forget to use the hashtag MoonPutin.
0: <laughs> yes. All, 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 all answers to these questions. Please hashtag Moon it.
1: Yep, I, I'm actually going to go search now to see if anyone's if anyone's done that yet.
0: I hope there is a picture of Putin on the moon and the Moon Putin. Yep. <laughs> okay, okay. Wow. I've just searched for it and legitimately the first under Google Images, the first two things are photoshopped pictures of the moon but with Putin's face on it <laughs> then, you, then you've got Putin on the moon with a Russian flag
1: yeah, standard
0: um, Putin riding the moon <laughs> one with him holding the moon alongside a machine gun
1: yeah because the Putin riding things is like, that's a classic meme isn't it, because you've it got is, Putin yeah. on the Ritz where he's riding a Ritz cracker
0: for some reason William Hague is here as well
1: <laughs> he likes to moon people that's my <laughs> my impression of William Hague
0: that was that was very accurate actually that sounded a lot like William Hague
1: yeah maybe I am William Hague
0: <laughs> oh Paddy I hope not Although he he's turned out to be what one of the least awful conservatives.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. A lot of the ones who were real proper Tory baddies a while ago are now coming out as like sensible people. Like Michael Heseltine of all people, dog murdering former MP Michael Heseltine.
0: <laughs> I forgot about this one. As one of murder.
1: the <laughs> one of the most sensible voices on Brexit right now, which just shows you that we are in some deep doo doo.
0: I mean there's no getting around the fact that Ian Duncan Smith is still basically just a ghoul mm. in a man suit <laughs> uh, yeah
1: he's he's appropriate for this month's theme
0: <laughs> yeah although there's no romance, it's just horror
1: yeah, literally yeah, that's true he makes big boys cry
0: just horror and his incredibly boring, droning voice, yeah, that's all that he is
1: yeah I can't do an impression of him it,
0: it's it's impossible because he has no personality. There's nothing to make an impression of.
1: Yep. He, he's a void.
0: He's, he's a nasty bastard void.
1: Well, the um, search on Twitter for the hashtag MoonPutin returns zero results. So we've so, got an opportunity. <laughs> huge marketing opportunity. In a way, I'm always amazed when you can do that because even the zaniest hashtag, you'll search it and some idiot will have done it just as some kind of bizarre joke or spam or whatever but yeah hashtag moon Putin zero results
0: okay let's get let's get in on that I think
1: so, so get in on it this is how our listeners will communicate from now on yeah, moon Putin moon,
0: moon Putin
1: <laughs> uh, good times
0: right shall, shall we call it a, shall we shall we call it a day we'll
1: yeah I think so. I need to go and uh, get in the bath and hope that the taps don't run red.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I need to make sure that there's no people having incest sex in my house. There shouldn't be. It's a big
1: concern. I mean, you just had your bathroom done, so... Yeah, you know, know.
0: weird-ass incest people might be, like, talking in my bathroom.
1: Yeah, what you don't realise is that, yeah, when you signed (laughs) signed that contract, there was a clause saying... Oh, yeah, we might we might leave some incest people in there. <laughs> hope your insurance covers the damage.
0: <laughs> God, I'm going to have to go read over the paperwork.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we will be back next week. We'll be talking about the film Spring. We hope you're enjoying it and having a spooky month. Yes. Ooh. Spooky
0: month. <laughs>
1: Goodbye. (laughs)
0: Goodbye.
1: (laughs) See, again, I leaned away when I did that. To to my hands like that.